0: Hello and welcome back. My name is Dr. Christopher Gennari. This is Great Big History Podcast. In this episode of our History 101 lecture series, we do Renaissance art. It's the last episode. So, we're going to do art in the Renaissance. But to do art in the Renaissance, we also have to talk about art in the Middle Ages. And so, here we are with with Michelangelo's God-giving the spark of life, to Adam. Art in the Middle Ages is religious, representational, and symbolic, meaning that things stand in for other things. It's not meant to reflect reality. It's representational. Things represent other things. And it's symbolic. Things stand in for other things. The halo, as we're in the Madonna Ibbi photo if you're watching the video, is up on the right is a symbol of holiness people did not really walk and nobody thinks people really walked around with a halo of light around their head it's a representation it's a sim- symbolism of their holiness let me give you an example of what I mean I've got three stick figures here What do you see? Think about it. Is your answer a parent and two children, an older brother and two twins? Why? Well, because if you thought that, if you thought what you were seeing was a bigger person and two smaller people, That's because you live in a world of realism where the size of things represents their reality in the environment. That's not medieval art. What this shows, these three people, is not a bigger person and two smaller people, but is a a representation of power. Let me put it this way. You have the king... And two subjects. What if one of the shorter people, smaller people, commissioned the art? Hung it up in their living room. And what if it looked like this? Would you want to invite the king over for dinner? And how would the king react? Now, you may say, Mr. King, uh, I'm 5'10 and you're 5'5. So I'm just showing realism. Is the king going to accept that? Or is the king going to say, you are insulting my position, you're insulting my power, you're saying you are tougher, bigger, and more important than me? That's exactly what the king is going to say, because in Middle Ages, art, medieval art, the art is representational and symbolic. So the size is representational, a power, of pur- purpose, of prestige. Jesus in paintings of crowds is always in the middle, and you, <coughs> medieval art doesn't have a where's Waldo. Why? Because you go where's Jesus? Well, he's in the middle and he's bigger than he's like six foot seven. He's bigger than all the people around him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Why? Because he's the most important person in any picture that Jesus is going to be in. There is no picture in which Jesus is in that Jesus is not the most important person. And so you're always going to put him in the center and bigger than the people around him. So that's what we mean by representational and symbolic. It stands in for other things. So if you paint this picture, you're saying the king is worth less than me. Renaissance art, on the other hand, is also religious. There's a lot of religion in it, but it's also will pick up, like Renaissance education, Greek and Roman themes, Greek and Roman characters. So here is Raphael's The School of Athens with all the great philosophers from the ancient world. But remember where we started. I'll cycle through. We started with Michelangelo's religious painting of the creation of Adam. So Renaissance art look they look the same. They're designed, and I know if you're an art historian, that don't freak out. I know they're not exactly the same, but they're in the same motif. They're in the same design mode. Right? They're not symbolic. There is symbolism in there. Yes, 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 I know. But compared to our stick figure, this is realism. These are supposed to look like real people interacting in, the, in a universe. But it's religious in nature. But Raphael, who is a contemporary, is doing classical, Greek and Romans, themes and characters. This is how you end up with a lot of naked people in Renaissance art. Men are buying this art. Men want to see naked boobies. And so they are perfectly willing to spend money on naked stuff. The problem is, is how do you dignify it? How do you give that naked stuff and not make it pornographic? And the answer is Greeks and Romans. You use the old stories. You use the three graces. The three graces are three women, always painted nude, who are... Hugging or touching each other boom done right Persephone Being uh, stalked In the woods Um, Any of these stories of Zeus making love to any of the women that he makes love to there's always a Greek and Roman story that you can use to justify. And so when people go, oh, that's naked, you go, you turn and go, oh, no, 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 no. It's the Three Graces. And you go, oh, okay, they're naked. Well, the Three Graces are always naked. Well, that's true. That's fair. Whew, they're really naked. They're the Graces. What am I supposed to do? The birth of Venus, naked. And you're like, oh, she's very naked in this. And you're like, yes, she's Venus. And you're like, yeah, that's true. So it gave legitimacy to men getting pictures of naked people by using these Greek and Roman themes. So it allows this combination of the religious, but also the classical. So we see art is is emulating education, right? As education is taking on Greek and Roman knowledge, so is art. So Renaissance art, as you can see, is realism. It looks like reality. Now, to be realistic, it needs two part, two points. Two parts. Proportion and perspective. Proportion. Things are the correct size within their environment. Right? And perspective. Things look how you see them. So... We're gonna go and we're gonna go through these, but take a look, right? Proportion and perspective. We have Raphael's School of Athens, look at these people. When you look at these people, you're looking at these people and going, they're around five foot, five, 10, five and a half feet, six feet tall, right? They're normal size men, right? So how big is the environment? How wide is that room? How tall is that room? How big are those stairs? Those stairs have to be a normal size of stairs so that these men can go down them. right? How big are the statues in the walls? How big is the dome? All of those things have to be in proportion to these six-foot-tall men for it to look correct. The other point is perspective, which we're going to talk about, but look how cavernous this is. You can see the point, the vanishing point where all lines go because you can see it going, it's practically right down the middle anyway. There's a crease right down the middle. And you could see it. It just funnels right, all the lines, all the dimensions funnel into this one spot the third arch the bottom of the third arch right and that's how you see why because you have stereoscopic vision your eye you have two eyes slightly apart which means you actually are seeing all the time two images your eyes are seeing two different images why don't you in your head see two images well, because your brain lays them on top of each other. But by laying them on top of each other, it doesn't flatten, it gives depth and width, because they, my left eye sees a bit more to the left, my right eye sees a bit more to the right, and so they overlap in the middle, creating, if you take your, take your two uh, hands, right? Take your, you know, palms out, right? turn them left and right so they so your fingers so your middle fingers are facing each other right so your fingers are, are smush your fingers together and they you' now got palms. I know your wrist is gonna hurt maybe a little bit but you face them and then put your right or your left hand over the other one. just move them into the middle so that your middle finger reaches your um, second knuckle right where your finger is meeting the hand right and now turn them one on top of the other now turn them sideways right your hand for me it's my right hand but you know if you're left-handed you might be your left hand is slightly above my left hand and my left hand extends further to the left my right hand extends further to the right and so what do i get i now have a three-dimensional image i have depth and that's what perspective does. It creates a three-dimensional image in a two-dimensional space. That's how you see, by having stereoscopic sight, because all lines come to a middle point, a vanishing point. This creates depth and volume. Look at how big large the school of Athens is. Look at how long it is. How much air does it contain? If you wanted to fill it with water, how much water do you need? You can tell. You can imagine how much water you needed. And so what it does is make paintings look like sight in three dimensions. You see in three dimensions. Now paintings can be in three dimensions. Medieval paintings are not. Medieval paintings are in two dimensions. They're flat. because they're representational. They're not worried about recreating sight. Their job is to show power or prestige or morality. They're they're showing something. Proportion, and here's our da Vinci's movement of man, uh, rejects representation. So proportion wants things to be the correct size in its environment. If something is taller or bigger than something else, It's because it is taller by that amount. Now remember, you're painting, and this is why the movement of man is very important. It shows on two planes, right, the square plane and the circular plane, the bodily movement of a human body. So it's showing its proportion within its two different frames of reference, within its two different spaces. It's showing how things relate within a space. And so what we need is biological accuracy. We need things, a hand, to be the size, the correct size of a hand. We need a head to be the correct size of a head. But we also need, to make things look realistic, muscles, like your skin is translucent. You can see through it. It's got layer upon layer upon layer, but you can see veins, you can see arteries, you can see color through it. Also, you can see the muscles move, your tendons when you flex, when you move your bicep, like every little kid, right? Show you my bicep, right? Well, to make your painting look correct, you gotta get the bulge of the bicep correct, the tendons that that are coming off of the shoulder to the bicep correct. You've got to get all of that stuff right. The tricep, when you flex your bicep, what does your tricep do? And so there's this rediscovery of medical knowledge. Art is going to push medical knowledge because to get art right, you have to know muscles. You have to know movement. And so while you're dissecting a body, while you're looking at the for biological accuracy, you get other people who are like, well, how does this all work? And when it breaks, how do we fix it? Those are your doctors. Now, we're a long way from modern medicine, but this is the start of this, this idea where art is actually propelling medical curiosity because you can't see any of this stuff inside. Well, the artist needs to see what do muscles look like, what do things look like. And so you get the stories like Da Vinci um, doing autopsies without anybody knowing, You know, stealing bodies from the grave or things like that. But you get medical science that's being propelled i mean gray's anatomy there's a tv show it's been on 20 years but gray's anatomy was a textbook and it was forever until computer design had caught up which is only recently it was the most detailed view of the human body down to microscopic level that you can get it was gross but you got your thousand page Grey's Anatomy and you open it up and it cost you a freaking arm and a leg because you open it up and there were the plates of muscles of what the hand looks like once you take the skin away and then you take the muscles away. Then you take the tendons away. Then you take a layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. Well, how did someone draw that? That's art. They have to know how those muscles move, how the body moves, how it moves in space, how it moves against other people. Look at our School of Athens. Let's go back. You have to know how those fabrics move, how air moves through, how they drape, how gravity will affect. You know, look at. The man laying down on the steps, look at how bulging his bicep is, right? You have to get that correct. How about his chest? If he's going to be in that, but look at his right, his left arm, which is holding the piece of paper. Look at how extended that bicep is, how different. You have to get that stuff right. Otherwise, you know it looks wrong. And so I bring us to Two paintings of Saint Michael, one by Raphael on the right, one a Byzantine icon on the left. They're both Saint Michael. The one on the left is a medieval icon, the one on the right, a Renaissance painting. How big is Saint Michael on the left? You can't really tell. Could it be three foot five? Could it be six foot seven? You don't know. Is he powerful? Yeah, sure. He's got a sword and he's got the globe, he's got temporal. And military power. He's got religious and military power, right? He's, he's armored, so he's a warrior. He's also holy. He's got a halo, right? But how strong is he? Can he bench press a house? I don't know. How strong is Michael on the right? Raphael's Michael. What is going to, what just happened? What happened before the painting happened? What action, can you tell? Yeah, Michael flew through at a high speed through that fabric. That fabric that's wrapped around Michael's waist is telling you how fast Michael is moving when he hit that demon. He has knocked down that demon. Look at that demon's legs all sprawled out. He's turned around, right? Is the demon going to get up? So what does this tell us? It tells us not only what just happened before the image was seen, but we can also know what's going to happen. Is the demon going to escape? No. How do you know? Because his left arm, which is on the right because the demon's turned around, his left arm has purchase. Look, look at that muscle flexing. Look at that tricep flexing, right? That forearm. That hand is gripped on the ground. But look at his right arm. It's weak. It's sprawled out there. The muscle has no tension. He's grabbed onto something, a weapon or something. I don't know what it is. But without his hand on the ground, which means he has no ability to push himself up. He's been knocked over. So what is going to happen in the next 10 seconds, next three seconds? I, well, if you're a D&D fan, one round, the next six seconds. Michael is going to stab that demon right through the middle of its back. How do I know? How do I know what's going to happen? How do I know? I just told you how I know the demon's not going to get up. How do I know that Michael is not going to tickle him? And the answer is, look at Michael's eyes. They're staring right down on the spot where he's going to stab, right? Look at where the point of the spear is. Look at where his eyes are. You can combine the two and see where it's going to go. Two, look at Michael's arms. His left arm is bulging in the bicep and in the forearm. He's holding that, right? He's holding the spear, right? There's no, no movement there. He's holding it. But look at his right arm, extended above the bulging bicep. Again, the bulging, the tense forearm. That is where the tension is, and that is where the force is. is. You can already see the force. Look at his body. It shifted in that line towards that arm. That arm, that right arm, the right hand of the father, is going to come down with immense force, straightened, by that left arm which is holding the spear in place so it doesn't wiggle it doesn't rat- rattle it's it's holding the purchase and that's going to come down thump, right that this demon is dead one round 6 seconds after this painting is taken that demon's dead being sent back to hell what is going on in the painting on the on the left the medieval painting the Byzantine painting we don't know it's a celebration of michael Who's important? He's in gold. But we don't know what happened 10 seconds before that icon, and we won't know 10 seconds after this icon what is going on in the scene. That's not its purpose. Its purpose is to highlight the power of Michael, the religious and military power of Michael. Raphael's painting on the right is telling a story about Michael's power and showing it to you. And that is the difference between representational art Medieval art and realistic renaissance art. Congratulations, ladies and gentlemen, you finished. You're done. You have finished my History 101 lecture series. You've done awesome. You've done 15 weeks of work in however many weeks or days you've watched these videos. Thank you for being on this journey. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I know all of these videos are rough. I know they're not edited to within an inch of their life. I try to leave it with some humanity to it. I try to leave it as I would just talk about it in class. And that's with hems and haws and the sows and it's, and I could cut all that stuff out. I could spend hours and cut it and, and, and get everything to a fine honed edge. But it also would be a, it would be produced. It wouldn't have the naturalness that I'm trying to go for, the conversation I'm trying to go for, even though it's a one-sided conversation. I want you to be part of it. I wanted you to be there, like we're sitting and having a coffee. So congratulations and thank you for being a part of this. I wish you well. You're awesome. Be safe. Take care. Keep on being awesome.